Welcome to the Transform Podcast. Uh, this is Andrew Farhat, and I'm with a special guest, Phil Barnard. Great to have Phil again for this second half of the question that we tackled last week, which is, is faith based on any evidence or science, or is it completely emotive? If you missed that one, you're welcome to check it out on the previous episode where we really tackled the question, is there evidence for the existence of God? Um, and so that is what we uh, went after there. Uh, again, we are grateful that you are tuning in. We have listeners now around the world, so we're encouraged that uh, the good word about, the, about Jesus and his ideas, I mean, really, we're not interested in our ideas. We want to know what his ideas are for our life. Uh, the good word about Jesus is spreading, um, and there are more and more listeners subscribing. And if you would like to subscribe on your app, we would be encouraged. And if you benefit from this in any way, uh, we want to encourage you to think of someone you can share this to, to bless their day, to encourage them on their spiritual journey. Uh, Phil, again, is with us. If you want to know more about his uh, credentials and background, you can uh, check out the last episode where we tackled this question. But again, Phil, I'm so grateful that you are a part of uh, St. John's mm -hmm. uh, Church and School, but then also uh, I've been blessed by your presence in my life as well. Oh, thank you. Uh, Me too. As an encouragement. And Phil uh, has a lot to say on these things and has been blessed to be able to teach the Alpha Course mm -hmm. um, in his spiritual journey uh, via Hillsong Church as well as uh, Flatirons Church sure. also. Yes. Uh, so you've, you've had a lot of experience with some of these questions, haven't you? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And a lot of these questions are excellent questions that I think as Christians we should take time to consider and think about. Absolutely. And so uh, in the last episode, we answered the question, does God exist? And we gave five arguments mm -hmm. that when you all put them together and you look at it, you're like, you know, there's a strong, these are strong indicators. Yeah. yeah. Painting a picture that there is highly likely that there is a higher power mm -hmm. uh, that is behind all of this. Mm -hmm. um, and so now with that said, though, that does not prove anything about Jesus. Not yet. It doesn't tell us if we should be a Christian or a Muslim or a Jewish person, uh, but rather it just tells us that there is a higher power that exists. Mm -hmm. And so today, when we think about the question, uh, are there evidences for faith? I think one of the biggest things on my faith journey, Phil, was the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yes. So that was one when I was a skeptic or even a critic of the Christian faith. I could not disprove the resurrection, and that was one of the major reasons why I got off the fence and made the leap of faith. So I'm going to start with this quotation from Timothy Keller, and he says this, If Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all he said. If he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about any of what he said? The issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like his teaching, but whether or not he rose from the dead. That is, how the first hearers felt who heard reports of the resurrection. They knew that if it was true, it meant we can't live our lives any way we want. It also meant we don't have to be afraid of anything, not Roman swords, not cancer, nothing. If Jesus rose from the dead, it changes everything. And so, with that quotation uh, from Tim Keller, I think I would just piggyback on that and say, this is exactly what sets Jesus apart from any other religious founder, any other spiritual, spiritual leader, is none of them claim to be God, none of them claim that they were going to die and rise again, and none of their followers claim that they 
died for sin and rose again either. So only Jesus is the founder of the Christian faith or Christian religion where the public witnessed the resurrection of Jesus and then declared that to the rest of the public that this is what they had witnessed. And so it's kind of like it sets him apart. Uh, you know, like uh, when I look at resumes, this, this kind of sets things <laughs> apart here. Right. If I'm, if I'm investigating who I think is Michael Jordan here, this is Michael Jordan for me. And everybody else is Christian Leitner. They don't come close to Michael Jordan. Um, so um, basically, uh, the comedy is always free. Um, so he is setting himself apart by the resurrection. And then, of course, the relevance of this question, Phil, that we really tackled last time is that everybody that has faith Ultimately, I think, is having faith with the hope that there is something greater than just mm -hmm. eat and drink and tomorrow you die and rot in the dirt, mm -hmm. right? So that there's an eternal, transcendent, uh, otherworldly trajection to their life, trajectory uh, to their life. And then I think what Timothy Keller is saying is that if Jesus rose from the dead, it gives you a physical demonstration that there is something greater to look forward yes. to. So... Now that we've established the relevance to this question, uh, here are some arguments that give evidence towards why we believe. And I think that's where we've kind of leaned last podcast, and I think this podcast too, that you and I believe that there are evidences. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That at the end of the day, you do need to make the leap of faith. But with that said, it's certainly not it's blind. Not blind faith. And intelligent people, scientists, people with PhDs, uh, are making these arguments and ending up believing in Jesus. Um, and so intelligent people can arrive to these conclusions. Mm -hmm. All right, here we go, Phil. You ready? Do it. Let's All right, it. let's roll. First argument is this. There are definitely some extremely historically unlikely first converts to believing in the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and then also following him as the expected uh, predicted Messiah that was coming. And I think um, we've alluded to this in some of the historicity of the Bible accounts. So if you missed that, you can jump back to that. Uh, but I think the, f the first one that really struck me in my journey was the life of Paul. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Paul, Pharisee, uh, he's also, um, a, he's very Jewish. Mm -hmm. He's the Hebrew of Hebrews. Yeah. He's got the resume of you know, very religious man. Um, so he's, he is, uh, at the time, persecuting Christians because this was also blasphemous because they were claiming Jesus was equal to God. Yeah. And they were claiming that he rose again from the dead, which is extremely threatening to the whole Jewish religion and the establishment as they knew it. Um, but then, so Paul was found approving the murder of the first deacon, Stephen. Uh, he was found... Uh, he was found taking Christians and putting them in jail. Um, when he converted to Christianity, the first Christians were scared. They were like, is he really legit here? Because this is the guy that wants to kill us. Exactly. Yeah. So how did this man, who was so dead set against um, Jesus and the followers of Jesus, what changed him? Um, and then another unlikely co convert is James, Jesus' brother. Um, and so, um, I don't know, do you have a brother, Phil? I do. I have okay. one, yeah. Okay. Uh, did, have you ever in your life thought he was equal to God? 
he thought it probably a few times, <laughs> but I, I never thought it, no. Okay, he thinks that. <laughs> he may have, no. All right. No, he really didn't. All right, there we go. So that's, that's good. Uh, yeah, typically when you know your siblings, like, you're not thinking they're God. Oh, no. Right? No, and if he told me that, I would have brought him back down a peg or two. Right. So James, who is the Lord's uh, brother, at first, he was skeptical, according to John chapter 7. You know, he wasn't mm-hmm. just like on board with everything. You know, he's kind of wondering what his brother's up to next, right? Um, but then there's something that changed Paul and James. And their historical eyewitness accounts is that they witnessed Jesus dead and they witnessed Jesus come back to life mm-hmm. and give them a commission to go tell the world that there is life beyond mm-hmm. death, that he's conquered death by rising from it. And that now they become founders of all of the early churches. James becomes the first pastor of the church in Jerusalem, Mm -hmm. which is the prominent first church of Christianity. Um, And so these become like pillars of the establishment of the church, which then, of course, launches uh, uh, into 2,000 years later. Here we are, and there's over 2 billion people now that worship Jesus as God. Mm -hmm. So unlikely converts, you know, how do those converts strike you, Phil? That would be surprising, I think. Yeah. yeah. It would definitely make me think a little bit about their testimony and what they had to say. Right. It's like yeah. there's an there's a extreme before and after here. Yeah, right? it's when you see someone who's skeptical about something and then they change their mind, it makes you think twice. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So that is one piece of the puzzle. Unlikely converts. Second argument is this. The first eyewitnesses to the resurrection, according to the four Gospels, were women. Now, why was that important? Why is that an important thing to note here historically? N.T. Wright, who is an author who wrote the book, The Resurrection of Jesus, he actually points out that if the apostles who wrote these gospel accounts, these biographies of Jesus, if they wanted to fabricate the resurrection for some reason, that this would have been the worst possible way, according to first century Judaism, because in first century Jerusalem, uh, women were unlike, they were not able to testify in court. Uh, they were not educated. Uh, they were, uh, you know, they just didn't have the same social status and they were not credible eyewitnesses in that culture. Now, that's not something that Jesus himself um, agreed with. Actually, every culture that's met Jesus has seen the equality of women uh, be improved in the cultures that have met Jesus because of his teachings and his ministry. But it is still very noteworthy that the first eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus were women. Any thoughts on that? Well, it's definitely an unlikely witness that uh, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't write it. If you were trying to write this story out, that's not how you would write it out. Right, right. And so, you know, sometimes, you know, I remember I was having a, a conversation with... Um, uh, some friends, it was actually in Montana, and they were just like, you know, these gospel accounts, they just sound like they're made up. And, you know, I just got the courage to say, you know what, guys? These actually don't sound made up at all. These sound like this is probably what happened. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there is, there's, I mean, in the Gospel of John, you have details about not only that when they came to arrest Jesus, uh, that Peter tried to 
or Peter actually cut the ear off of the guy that came mm -hmm. to arrest Jesus. But actually, they even name him, that his name was Malchus. So anyway, there's just these yeah. details that you find themselves in these accounts, and you're just like, you know, this is, this is starting to sound historical okay. to me. Um, okay, so, so far we've just established unlikely converts. First eyewitnesses were women. But I think that there's, there's more to the, to the puzzle or to the painting. Mm -hmm. And it is that there is an empty tomb that believers and non-believers agree on, empty tomb of Jesus that everyone historically agrees occurred. Um, now, beyond that, there is an agreement, if, if that means he really rose from the dead or not. But is there anything you want to say about the empty tomb and sightings of the resurrected Jesus? Yeah, what I think is really interesting is that, so obviously Jesus was crucified. Um, the Romans did a very good job of killing him. He was, they were very effective and efficient yeah. in what they did. There's really not a lot of doubt that he... They're trained murderers. They're trained murderers. So yeah. he wasn't sleeping. He wasn't just recovering in a tomb or something. So they had well and truly killed him. And he was uh, buried in the tomb in a rocky outcrop with a giant tombstone, an enormous stone that would have taken many people to move uh, and a couple of days later, some, some people came there to offer their, as part of their mourning process, and uh, they noticed that this, the stone for the tomb had been rolled away. It had been moved, um, mm -hmm. seemingly supernaturally. Mm -hmm. uh, and they went into there and they looked for his body because they, yeah. they were trying to find this, this one who was so dear to them. Couldn't find him, just saw his grave clothes there, lying there. He disappeared. Okay. He wasn't there. And then, uh, according to the Bible story, the angels say, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's, he is not here. Uh, and then following that, there were multiple witnesses and eyewitnesses to people that actually saw the resurrected Jesus walking around in the community, right. um, which, is, which is a powerful thing. And, and, you know, it would have been very easy if someone had come and just stolen the body for the Roman authorities to go and hunt that body down because mm -hmm. they clearly didn't want to have a resurrected Jesus anywhere. Like, this is a big problem for them, that the person that they killed mm -hmm. is now alive. Um, so it would have been easy for the soldiers to try to track down the body and present a dead body and say, no, well, someone moved him or someone stole him, but they couldn't find a dead body anywhere. Uh, the mm -hmm. only body that was seen after that was a resurrected body, a living body. Right. Yeah. And so I think this is so intriguing. And, you know, during my spiritual journey as a skeptic, this really stood out to me because I was doing kind of comparative religion, mm -hmm. religious studies at the time. And you see that, okay, Mohammed says he had a dream or had a vision from an angel, and then he shared it with his followers. Mm -hmm. So it was a private revelation. And then Joseph Smith, he had a private revelation and shared it with his followers. But in this instance, you have the public witnessing bodily appearances mm -hmm. of the resurrected Jesus after he clearly was already dead, mm -hmm. um, and everyone agrees that he was murdered, uh, uh, whether they're a believer or not. Um, and so it was the public, and it wasn't just one or two people, but it was hundreds, hundreds of, people. of eyewitnesses. And I guess, you know, and this is going to go into our next point too when we get there, but you, you start to think about how did this whole movement start? Mm -hmm. How did this whole religion get rolling? Mm -hmm. And I would say the burden of proof is on you to disprove the resurrection. Because without it, we're not seeing a whole lot of movement starting or the ball rolling in any direction here. Yeah. 
So, um, and then another thing too, Phil, uh, with the resurrection of Jesus is this. You, you talked about the empty tomb. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I saw this on a documentary of a preacher and he was, he was showing that there are um, pilgrimages that people make to tombs, tombstones, mm -hmm. to honor someone. Mm -hmm. And so he was actually pointing out in my hometown in Seattle, people actually still go visit Kurt Cobain, Jimi Hendrix, Bruce Lee. But then he says, when it's a religious leader, they enshrine the whole tomb and it's this big pilgrimage site and so you can actually go to see abraham's tomb in jerusalem buddha's in um, india and mohammed in medina and you know this is all known like till this day mm -hmm. but there is no enshrinement no for the tomb of jesus christ nope. and so it's like all right just like the first podcast, you start to put pieces here together. Little indicators that when you put them together, they, they create a bigger picture. They create a bigger result. picture. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Good. All right. So those are our, our first three arguments. Unlikely cardinals. Uh, first eyewitnesses were women. And then the empty tomb and sightings of the resurrected Jesus by the public. But I think this one's also very strong as well. And it's this. If there's no resurrection, there's no faith. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? It means this. The apostles, when Jesus was murdered and nailed to the cross, the apostles could be found fearful, locked behind closed doors. They were thinking, all right, we're next. Peter was denying knowing who Jesus was or being one of his disciples. Mm -hmm. He was asked, hey, are you one of his disciples? He's like, no, I don't know this guy. Because he's like, I don't want to die too. I don't want to be part of that. Yeah, I don't want to die. Uh, Thomas is, is doubting that you know, everything is real, um, that, that Jesus was talking about. And so how did Jesus, and remember, he started with 12 guys, right? So these 12 guys are hiding out. Jesus is dead. Okay, now if he stayed dead, what led them to be courageous Church yeah, planters, preachers of the resurrected Jesus. And here's this. They got nothing out of it. Nope. They gained nothing. They were poor, homeless, traveling missionaries. Um, it changed the trajectory of their families. They couldn't just live a normal life like mm -hmm. everyone. They had to go and spread this message to the ends of the earth. Or rather, in their mind, they got to spread the good news of eternal life to the ends of the earth. But then here's the thing, all of them except the Apostle John were killed for their faith and they would not renounce yeah. the resurrected Jesus as the heart and foundation of their faith. Yeah. Any thoughts on that one? Yeah, you, I, I think if it comes to the point in time where someone is, is asking you to renounce it, otherwise uh, fear of death, most people renounce. You would yeah. have to know that you know that you know um, right. that this is true in order to stick with it. You'd be tempted. Right? Or, or your human nature think, would be tempted. Yeah, that's a better right? way to say it. The human nature knowing what you're about to face and, and the executions weren't lighthearted executions. Right. right. They were, it was torture. Peter was executed with an upside down yes. crucifixion. Yeah. Doesn't sound good. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the human part of me would be going, I really want to be very confident that 
what I'm dying for is the truth. Right. In order to die for it. Right. Um, I think there's so many ways the human mind that they could have rationalized it or us that we could rationalize renouncing him, yeah. right? We could say, oh, I have kids. Yeah. Um, they need me. Yeah. Uh, my wife needs me. Yeah. Um, but then I think it was their faith in eternal life that kept them from saying, I'm not going to deny knowing the, my Savior who died for me, who I love and I know yes. loves me and promises me eternal life. Yes. I am not going to betray him in yes. that fashion. Um, and so uh, for me, this teaching on the resurrection and also the, the Bible actually talks about death as sleep and that mm -hmm. the dead person is only sleeping. And Jesus says, if you believe in me, you will also rise again mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. And I think that teaching has given me such assurance that death doesn't uh, scare me yeah. the way it used to before yeah. I was a believer. There's a, there's a greater promise over the pain. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know where you're going. So, here you have this man from a small town, poor family, never traveled more than 200 miles, never held a political office, but yet there's more books written about him, more paintings painted mm -hmm. for him, more songs written to sing mm -hmm. about him, and we date everything around him. Mm -hmm. Anno Domini means year of our Lord. Um, also, the two biggest holidays in the world uh, are recognizing his birth and his resurrection. It's true. Um, and now Christianity is the largest organization in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, and yet, this is a man who never wrote anything, but yet everything was written about him and shared about him. And so we've given today four reasons or evidences for the resurrection, and these were all compelling to me to make me a believer but then as we go back, Phil, to that first quotation from Tim Keller, he said, if the resurrection occurred, now you better start paying attention yes. to what he did say yes. and what he did what during he did his say. ministry. And I think, uh, I think that the resurrection of Jesus definitely validates what he did miraculously mm -hmm. um, and then also what he said. Um, and Phil, what were some of the miracles of Jesus that kind of set him apart that we do need to consider according to those eyewitnesses. And again, the eyewitness accounts are written by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh -huh. For more on that, you can look at episodes five and six um, if you're interested in that. But Phil, what were the miracles that st stand out to you? Yeah, some of the miracles, typically Jesus and uh, the seeming control over nature. So yeah. being able to tell a storm to calm down, and it did. Being able to walk across water without yeah. sinking and falling into it. Um, yeah. Being able to restore blind, uh, sight yeah. to the blind. Being able to heal people. Being able to yeah. uh, touch people and, and lepers and they would be healed. And then also being able to pronounce forgiveness for people. Like, for me, that was a big thing. That's not a physical miracle, but for someone to be able to say, I, I forgive you of your sins, gives me an indication that this is more than just a person. Yeah, because it's, it's only God who can actually forgive sins. Right, right. So if you were to sin against me, let's say yeah. I can forgive you, mm -hmm. but I couldn't declare your forgiveness you before God. No. Um, but I can share and announce it mm -hmm. now through the death and resurrection of Jesus. But I think what you're saying is what set him apart is he was claiming to be God yeah. when he was forgiving sins. Yes. Yes. 
And you know what's interesting, Phil, is you mentioned those, those miracles. And there are other accounts of other people in history that have done some alleged miracles. Mm -hmm. But when I read those accounts, it's like they strike you as like illusions and magician type stuff. Mm -hmm. But none of them have, okay, this guy's raising people from the dead, making blind people see, walking on water, uh, making le people with leprosy get healed, or calming storms, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It's like, how on earth would you fabricate that, right? Yeah. I don't know of any evolutionist who's going to be like in the middle of a hurricane and make it stop, that right? Would be impressive. That would be pretty impressive. Yeah. Okay, so certainly those are some miracles that stand out. Uh, Phil, what about Jesus' teachings? What, what did he say that stands out to you that the resurrection points us to? Well, what, I've, what I find really interesting is if the resurrection is true and he did conquer death and, and uh, it does validate his teachings. And when he says, I am the way, the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through me, that really makes you stop and sit and think. Mm -hmm. like if, yeah. if he can truly rise, raise, be raised from the dead and then he also says at the same time, I am the way, the truth and the life. No right. one gets through the Father except through me. Right gives you pause to wonder a little bit about that. Yeah. He's making some astonishing it's claims a, It's there. a pretty big claim. Yeah. He also said at a different time before Abraham, who had lived thousands of years before him, before Abraham was, I am. Right. And he was, you know, the, the hearers would have understood that phrase, I am, to be, he is setting himself up on the same level as an all eternal God. Yeah. So... He's not saying, hey guys, here's how you find God. But he's saying, I am and. God coming to find you. Yeah. So, and he's saying, and also, I'm coming back to evaluate everyone's conduct on this planet. Yes. Yeah. So, no religious leader has made those claims. <laughs> right? So, uh, definitely, Jesus um, is, sets himself apart with those claims. Uh, but, the, but Phil, is there anything in his teachings in particular as far as love or compassion towards the oppressed that have stood out to you in your spiritual journey? Yeah, what I find exciting is, is if we've painted this picture that there is a God or a being somewhere that's caused everything and began everything, and Jesus is also making that same claim that his teachings about who he is and who God is, uh, we need to listen to. Yeah. And I love it because he tells story. He, he paints this picture of God being a father who um, rejoices over one of his sons coming back. Yeah. He paints this picture of God being um, the kind of person that if he loses a coin, will lift every rug and sweep around and, until he finds it and rejoice it. And obviously that's yeah. talking about his children and his creation. So he, he, his picture about God's kingdom is a God who is all holy and all sovereign, but also all loving and kind and patient and desperately desiring like a good father that his children would be at home with him and yeah. be a relationship with him. Yeah. Um, and it's a God who loves mercy, a God who loves justice, a God who stands up for the rights of those who are vulnerable and wants us to do likewise. Mm -hmm. um, it really is a, a complete picture of, of just a being who loves yeah. and loves relentlessly. Yes, yes. And I think that when you study different religions, what does set Jesus apart is he's saying God is love yeah. and that God loves the world and he loves human beings. Um, and then uh, when you put all of this together, 
you, you, what you're describing is, a, is a, a father who is rejoicing in his children when they are when coming they back home. home. And so it makes me want to share that if there's anyone out there that feels like you have wandered or that you are seeking, seeking answers, I want to encourage you with the God of love who did send his son um, and has caused him not only to die for your sin, that is to make atonement, that is to repair your relationship with God, reconcile you to the Father, but then also he rose again from the dead. And that means he conquered death for you. The Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. And so when you put your trust in the death and resurrection of Jesus, you turn away from sin and trust in him. The Bible says you are now a new creation, mm -hmm. that you now enter into the spiritual resurrection of Jesus, which is also known as regeneration mm -hmm. or being born of the spirit. And then one day when he returns, he promises bodily resurrection and life everlasting. We want to invite you to believe and you receive the joy of Jesus into your life. And the Bible says we love because he first loved us. Um, so if you have any questions for us to consider on this podcast, we would love to hear them. You can submit them to hello at sjdenver.org. And Phil, I think, man, you've done such a wonderful job. We're going to have to have you back sometime down the road. Ooh. After school started. Sounds good. After, after school gets <laughs> after rolling. After schools get right? rolling, yeah. We got to get this school year rolling. Here. Absolutely, yeah. Sounds good. Are you excited for kids to come up, come in the building and the parents and the, the vibrance of our community? I am so thrilled to have them back in the doors in two weeks' time. My teachers are coming in next week and I'm looking forward to, excited, uh, to welcoming them in. Uh, you do all the planning and all everything, put everything in place, but in the end, it, you know, it's about getting those kids in the door and yeah. helping them on their journey. So that's what we're looking forward to. That's so exciting. Phil has been pumped up all summer, uh, and he actually has wanted the summer to be shorter so that he can do and live out his passion and his calling by God. So I'm excited to partner with you, Phil. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Until next time. We'll see you next time.